Hi, welcome back to Parenting in the Trenches. We're doing a series on adoption, and today we are specifically focusing on transitions. That would include several kinds of transitions that you would find in the process of adoption, but also for different varying members of the adoptive triad or the constellation. So today I am welcoming my guest, Jeanette Yoff. She is a marriage and family therapist, child, adult, and family clinician. Jeanette has been in the field for over 20 years, and she's worked as a psychotherapist, supervisor, foster care social worker, and is the clinical director of Yoff Therapy, Inc. She has trained social workers and therapists in trauma-informed practice for the Los Angeles County Child and Family Services and the Department of Mental Health. She also holds trainings for parents, social workers, and therapists on topics related to adoption and foster care challenges, parenting, the impact of pre-adoption trauma, grief and loss, open adoption, open foster care, attachment challenges, and she provides support to adult adoptees and foster youth searching for long-lost family members. She also assists in reunion and family reunification. She is also the founder of Celia Center, a nonprofit organization supporting all members of the adoption constellation. What incredible work. It is complicated, and she's here to talk to us a little bit about the transition piece of that work. Jeanette, welcome. We're talking about siblings. We're talking about transitions. We're talking about adoptive family experiences. And I just want to welcome you to this conversation because you bring two very powerful lenses. One is the professional lens. You've done 20 years of this work. Also the, the personal lens because you're an adult adoptee. Would you mind starting just sharing a little bit about your own adoptive experience? Yeah, sure. So I am originally from New York. And I was live. I lived with my birth family for the first fifteen months of my life uh, in New York. Yeah. And my mother had significant mental health issues, and she could not parent mm -hmm. me or my brother. So we did enter the foster care system. Uh, we did not have family in New York to take care of us. Uh, my mother was a native Argentinian woman, and she was here on a work visa. Uh, so uh, they attempted Jewish child care was the agency I was adopted through attempted mm -hmm. to find family in Argentina to parent us, but there was too much red tape. So we ended up staying in the States and I ended up staying in the foster care system for six and a half years. And then I was oh, wow. adopted at the okay. age of seven and a half into another family. And so I did not move again. I was officially adopted and we adopted okay. two siblings, fostered another child who was then reunified with her mother. And I grew up just questioning being an adoptee. I didn't know my story until I was a grown up, until I really wow. figured out what happened to me. Uh, and then I wrote a one woman play based on my life story performed it, and then realized there were so many children in the foster care system yeah. that I wanted to give back. And that's when I went back okay. to school, became a therapist, and I'm now a therapist with children and families, all connected by foster care and adoption. 
it's such a testimony to how the process of what you have experienced as a child has shaped your entire life, your career, who you know to be your people, how you connect. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Completely. Completely. I think writing my play became a thesis from my life to help me make sense of it. And then I could move forward and make a difference and do something about the problem that I knew so much about. Because people would say, you talk like you're an expert. I said, I I do? Okay. I guess I am. I'm a paraprofessional. I've come from this experience and now I'm a professional. So just the work is so beneficial to me because not only just being with a child who's been through foster care and adoption like myself, just let them know everything's Mm -hmm. going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to have its ups Mm -hmm. and downs, but there's a community of us that are here to support you and you're not alone. There's up to 7 million adoptees in the country already. Amazing. So there's a large community of us. Finding each other and permission to find each other is such key, a key piece then, right? It is. Yeah. Community. I needed to know who was out there like me as an adult. And so I started a little support group called the Adopt Salon and we put candles around. I said, just come and let's just be as adults so we can have a conversation and and get out of the shame and the shadows of our shame and, Mm. and see each other. and. That in and of itself is therapeutic and validating. So I've been doing support groups also for many years now in Los Angeles. Oh, uh, I amazing. Move here uh, in 1998, uh, yeah. wanting to expand my life and drive cross country and see the world because I felt very sheltered just being a, in New York mm-hmm. at that time. Mm. Amazing. So professionally and it's never going to be without your personal lens of course right but having worked with so many versions of a lived experience directly and shaping how people walk that you know that they're not they're not alone in this you've been hand-holding through a lot of processes both uh, it sounds like also for reunification that that's part of the work that you do is helping people reconnect. Um, you know, some of the, my support is more around um, adoptive parents trying to do the best job they can in preparing to fold a child into their family unit really well. And that immediate transition period mm-hmm. feels really quite loaded. <laughs> like there, there's some awareness, never going to be enough because we're not living it in the same way, but adopt p- potentially adoptive parents are thinking so carefully through, I want this to be so positive, like as positive as possible mm-hmm. for the child that's coming to us. And we don't really know what they need. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit to just that, the uniqueness of what helps a child feel that's such a scary transition period and so urgent and so big. Can you talk a bit about that? Well, we all need to accept that adoption is formed through loss and that's grief and loss. So a child will come with 
ambiguous loss if they don't know the prior history like myself as to what happened. So we need to acknowledge the loss and grieving with your child is actually therapeutic. And that's having empathy Mm -hmm. for their experience and providing therapeutic parenting because you cannot, and I don't know, you know, your, your teaching, Mm -hmm. you cannot parent a child who's been through adoption that separation trauma, grief and loss from their families of origin and or a foster family or multiple foster families, they need a different parenting approach. And so we need to acknowledge that. And yes, are children resilient? Of course. So there's a balance. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the ambiguity needs to be spoken to. Children need to know their stories. And a big piece of what causes trauma is the not knowing and not preparing a child for what's to happen. So in the transition, it takes a minimum of six months to two years to even bond with a child. So think about that. Mm -hmm. Bonding Mm -hmm. is crucial in attachment. So I want parents to think first about the bonding experience. You want to fall in love with your child and get to know their nuances, their strengths and their vulnerabilities their strengths and their vulnerabilities. And I don't like the word issues or what's Mm -hmm. wrong with them or pathologizing. Every child is unique. They will come with their recipe of behaviors, their unmet Mm -hmm. needs. And it's really being a sensory feeling detective with your child. And I tell parents a lot to do what's called mapping. When you see behavior, just get a notebook and make it a journal and go who, what, when, where, and how. When you see some big behaviors, because sometimes we don't even know what's happened to the child in their history, especially if it's an older child placed in a foster adoptive home. And so you're doing a lot of detective work based on what you're seeing in their behavior. Mm -hmm. The presentation. Exactly. So there's a lot of exploration. So staying Mm open-minded to the, to the experience of getting to know my child because they Mm -hmm. are different than you. Now I'm an adoptee Mm -hmm. and I'm also a parent myself of a biological child. It was fascinating for me to learn wow, he is really not me. He is very <laughs> He's different. his own person. <laughs> right. So you have yeah. your own filter yeah. and your child has their yeah. own filter. And a phrase yeah. I use a lot with parents and adoptees is their behavior is not a rejection of you. It is a reflection yes. of their unmet needs, experiences, their grief and loss. And children mm. don't know how to manage these intense feelings in the body and these intense thoughts that come out of, wait, what happened to me? How, how could any mother give away her baby? Adoptees blame her. We blame ourselves. There must have been something wrong with us until the day we meet other adoptees and go, or a therapist who's adoption competent. It's not about you. It was about the circumstances in your mother's life that she could not parent any baby born on your birthday. So parents do need education. And how do you tell your child their foster care and adoption story? 
so that they can make sense and have what I call objectivity and go, oh, and understand that whatever the circumstances were in their mother's life Mm -hmm. and why a plan for adoption was made. And Mm -hmm. I I just learned recently that only 1% of adoptions today uh, is 1% of adoptions, a mother actually relinquishes her child. Only 1% of the population today in the United States. So, and these are infant adoptions. So there's less infant adoptions. There's more older foster care adoptions happening Mm -hmm. today. So we're, we're parenting, adopting children who have extensive histories way before they came to you. Even my adoptive father would say, you came to us and we knew nothing that happened to you before. Wow. It was like you had a whole life. We knew yeah, nothing blank. about Yes. Yeah. Well, we don't come with a blank slate. So, and another piece, and then I'll, I'll end it there, is it's going to be hard to relay some painful information to your child. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. And yeah. allow the process, do your own homework, because if you don't do the research for your child, guess what? They're going to do it for you. I've had kids find their birth parents on Facebook and they didn't tell anyone and they're having a conversation and no one's prepared. Yeah, that's so right. oh it's take responsibility for that because we, we can't do it ourselves. We need our parents to help us make sense of why, why. Mm-hmm. So that we can, in essence, have compassion for ourselves and stop blaming ourselves. Hmm. So I hope that answered your question because we it's could powerful. talk for hours about this. We sure could. I could. know. I mean, my brain is a little bit firing right now and I, yeah. I'm tempted to go in all the directions. But yeah, <laughs> amazing. You know, you mentioned a couple of a, a couple of strategies. I, re- I was just thinking back to when we adopted our first daughter and that the agency was, uh, had given us a few concrete examples of transition objects, like bringing Mm -hmm. something that has a familiar scent with them, um, that their bedroom color is the same, that they're, you know, that they have choice and agency in choosing things as they transition, that you don't preset everything. Mm. Um, and I, I was just, you know, I was, this was not coming from an adoptee voice. This was coming from people, who, social workers who have been doing some of this work. And I, and I trust that they've listened to some input, but I, I was curious in meeting with you, if you had similar ideas or things that you could add to the, that pot of tools for, for parents who want, who want at least to set the safest stage possible. Mm-hmm. So, and we're talking about older children who are could be either, but it, yeah, it, if so, it's older children, I can see how much more there there's potential for yes. some nuanced stuff there. Yeah. So children do need familiarity, and especially if you're adopting yeah. a child of a different race, culture, or ethnicity, you want to create an environment where they see themselves mirrored, especially if you're si- yeah. if they're going to have siblings who don't look like them and are of a different race, culture, or ethnicity. We need mirroring. We need to know that there's other people who look like us. So even putting 
photographs or pictures of that child's mm-hmm. cultural, racial, ethnic group in their room so that they feel a sense of, okay, this is home. This, this is something I'm familiar with. So the word is how do we create familiarity? Um, something that happened for me is I had a little stuffed animal that I lost in transition. And I cried and grieved. And it was this little cat because my foster father had given it to me. So my parents knew that we needed, they needed to provide me with some significant object that was important to me. So listen to your child. And I always like this acronym, be an owl, observe, watch, and listen, because they're always going to communicate an unmet need. And if they, and if the symptom comes up a lot of something that may have been lost, we can't always replace it. We're not going to replace it. Yeah. We're going to create something yeah. to help the transition go smoother and with ease. So something that I use with kids mm-hmm. is called a comfy doll. And you can get these mm-hmm. on a website called Grief Watch. They're filled with lavender okay. and they represent the lost person that the child's grieving. Mm-hmm. Even if a child's parents may have died. We can now yeah. utilize the grief comfy doll as their lost mother or father previous to you. And it, it's hard for parents to know that a child's grieving the loss of their prior foster mother or parent and for adoptive parents to just be able to hold that grief with them and allow them to grieve by holding this. You can actually put it in the microwave and it, be get warm uh, warm oh. yes yeah. and they can hold on to it so we're giving voice to the ambiguity really really important mm. um if you know and, and what's really important in transitions is if if the prior foster family or if it's the birth family can they provide information about the routine mm. structure what their room looked like there, that yeah. that way you can bring it here. Um, something that was really important for me when I transitioned from foster care to adoption was when my parents put my name on the wall. And this hmm. is an interesting story. In foster care, I kept writing my name with crayons on my bedroom floor. And I got in trouble for it. And no one was understanding what I was communicating. I didn't feel stable. I knew that I was leaving. I didn't feel secure. I was trying to pen myself in their house because I love them. Love them. And so when I was adopted, they put my name on the wall. And it was quite significant for me because it (sighs) meant stability. And then they even gave me a little... um, butterfly necklace that said stay engraved on the outs on the back inside of it and that to me like you're asking me to stay (laughs) I'm asking you to stay so it was this little little significant that are just so significant make a big deal names um, including a child in the process of naming their, giving themselves a middle name. I didn't have a middle name. So we sat as a family and said, what would you like your middle name to be? And we talked about this together. We didn't change my first name. 
because I'm a big advocate, please don't change names. If the child comes to you without a name, of course, you're going to give them a name. But that name has significance when their birth mother or birth father gave them that name. I know many adoptees who have grown up and have learned when they've obtained their original birth certificate that their names were changed. And guess what? They officially, legally go back and change their names to their birth names. Yeah. It is a reclamation. Yes. Yeah. So I hope that answers that question. There was a lot of tips in there. That's, oh, it's powerful. Really, really helpful. I, I do think a lot of what people read is theory based mm-hmm. and they're confused. They're left confused. Like yes. we understand that attunement is going to give you the best set of clues for what the needs are at any phase of development for your child. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that looks like, take people trying to put themselves in that, in their, sh- in those shoes and say, but what would that mean for, like, they're anxious about this. Like, I want to be actively helping. What do I do if I see they're grieving? And so just you pointing to tools and objects and the importance of that. I remember, um, somebody talking with me about how, um, they, made a commitment to not anything, any object that came with the child would Mm -hmm. never be used against them in any way. So if something went wrong and, um, they said, well, you know, you can't behave that way anymore. I'm going to have to take your blanket, right? -hmm. Because we know it has currency. It's tempting to use the currency to get behavior change and just saying how critical it is that we do not parent that way. Mm-hmm. with children who have trauma in their past. This is not one, two, three magic parenting. Mm-mm. It's trauma-informed parenting. And we need to understand the significance that this doesn't change behavior. This causes dysregulation. Mm-hmm. And rupture between people, that's not yeah. going to be a bonding agent, you know, if you remove that even temporarily, that those are no, like those are sacred objects right. for a child. Um, and just when you reflected some of that, I just imagined how vulnerable and how little someone might be able to claim as their transition object. And, and if that's ever used in a way that, that hurts them emotionally, mm-hmm. that does not help them heal and it doesn't help you as a parent. Right. 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 Doesn't create the change. Yeah. Right. Anything that has yeah. significant attachment. It's connected yes. to the attachment to the prior family. Yeah. Should not be used as a consequence yeah. of behavior. Right. I, you know, yeah. I come from the school of thought. I'm an attachment focused therapist and I have an attachment focused parenting training for free on my YouTube channel. You must be attachment focused and be trauma informed. And we don't like to use this yeah. word because we don't want to think, oh, how could a baby be traumatized when they don't even remember? But we are understanding in research now yeah. that the body remembers. And so children, babies, infants, toddlers are having intense emotions in their bodies and they don't know how to self-regulate 
these intense emotions. Yeah. So what we want to go from is from consequences to boundaries. And when I said mm -hmm. therapeutic parent before, you want to provide daily activities that provide an opportunity for the child to emote. So one of my interventions, nice. I wrote a book yes. called Working with Traumatized Children and Families and Teens in Foster Care and Adoption. Amazing. There are DIY uh, interventions. One of them is the anger bag. One of them is the sad bag. Mm -hmm. And these are coping skills bags that provide mm -hmm. containment and also opportunities for them to emote because they're coming to you with mm -hmm. all of this. And I don't like this word, but it's baggage. They're coming to you with experiences yeah. of grief and loss. Collecting. Yeah. Collect. Yep. Holding. And it's all yeah. in their bodies and they're having yeah. thoughts about it just because they're not actively talking about it does not mean they're not actively thinking about it. No, Trust right. me. That's right. Um, another uh, tool that I have is the question box, which the child is allowed to ask any questions about their previous experiences or their birth family. Mm -hmm. And the parent one at a time answers them one week at a time, one month at a time when the child's ready for the answer. Again, providing containment structure. We acknowledge you had a prior life coming to us and we yeah. understand and have compassion for your grief and loss, because guess what? That is going to lessen the symptoms. They're going to feel yeah. heard, seen, and received. They need to process it. Yeah. 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 The permission is such a strong message, right? When you when you go through those activities, I think it would be tempting to think the activity has the magic, but actually it's just a it's an avenue to what you're telling your child is that we are with you, and you don't need to keep that from us. We are here for you, right? Mm -hmm. We have space to hold that with you. You yeah. aren't responsible for holding that yourself. Let it flow, yeah. right? Basically, right. we're safe to let it flow here. Exactly. Yeah, incredible. I did really want to talk about the sibling piece. You know, if you hunt hard enough, I think you will find in you will find resources on attachment. You will find resources on um, trauma informed parenting. It's it's getting better out there, right. right? And people can access it a bit easier. Right. What I hear the most from adoptive families is almost in aftermath, the recognition of the impact they did not predict on their children prior to adopting. So mm -hmm. the sibling dynamic shifts. And I know a lot of agencies will prioritize uh, and in some cases say it's necessary. We won't place a child with you who is older than the, your bio children um, uh, just for sequence sake. Um, but I'm that aside, just the experience or know, knowing how to help siblings blend well, mm -hmm. particularly for older children coming in. So older, I just mean not infant. But any, yeah. any child who has had a previous living experience with another family, the shift for them is so big and somewhat tumultuous mm -hmm. that causes all sorts of things, right? So the adoptive parents have to be quite centered on that often. And they didn't realize what that would mean for ramping up 
concerns for their other children. They didn't think that part through, nor were they told to think that part through. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing from adoptive parents coming in after I need help with this because mm-hmm. my eight and 10 year old who were so excited about this are angry. They're, they don't want anything to do with our other child. We're like, how do we do this? This feels tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it will feel threatening unless deemed otherwise. Okay. So mm-hmm. we do need to sit with the children that are already in the home and have conversations about this and let them know they're loved and they're not, you're not bringing in this new child as a replacement. They will need a lot of reassurance. Number one, they are loved. And Mm -hmm. also we want them to be part of the process in Mm -hmm. looking, seeing a photo of the child, getting to know who this child is, getting to know Mm -hmm. their story as much as possible, helping them form a connection as to, huh, so we, they can start being curious about who's coming into their home. Uh, help them know what the process is going to look like. Is this in six months? Is this in nine months? This is the process. Help them know what the legal process is, like how this works, yeah. so that they right. feel a sense of control in making mm-hmm. this decision. Uh, don't think that kids are, kids are smart. Kids want to know. Kids thrive knowing. It's what they don't know that scares them. So as much as you can tell them about the child and their history, and also what I really like is when the child comes in, before the child comes into the home, the parents can have a nonverbal signal so that if the child who's already been in the home feels overwhelmed about something that's happening, that they can have like a timeout symbol, symbol. it's a nonverbal signal, signal and the parent knows it's time for me to meet their need because what happens is the adoptee is going to have so many needs and then the biological child or other sibling is going to Mm -hmm. feel abandoned in their own way because they have needs too so there's a tool from post parenting called the 10 20 10 spend 10 minutes alone with them in the morning just to check in how are you doing especially Mm -hmm few days before the child comes into their home mm-hmm. and especially after 10 minutes yeah. in the morning check-in alone 20 minutes after school and 10 minutes in the evening they also need to have a lot of the same routine that you had prior they need consistency mm-hmm. and familiarity that things are going to remain the same sometimes there may be bumps in the road and you'll let them know there's realistic mm-hmm. expectations that we may not get to the book reading every night at eight o'clock, but we'll do our best to do it between eight to nine o'clock so that there's reasonable expectations, but their lives are still familiar and still in the same routine and structure. Really, really. A sense of reliability, right? Like I still can rely on you. And, and for kids that translates in things like routines, it's concrete. It's not just saying words. It's how do I experience you, right? If you're showing up at the same time in the same way, that consistency helps me believe that I matter to you still. 
Exactly. Exactly. Things may change. I may, because they're two years younger than you, we're going to have book reading time, you know, between this time. And I know you, you'll have your book reading. And when would you like your book reading before Mm. or after? Give them choices. They need to have a say in the matter. Really, really important. So think about the structure before and let them know where they're going to fit into the structure because there will be a lot to adapt to. Uh, also yeah. letting them know what school they're going to and the, the new child and where their room is and is there something they'd like to put in their room? Is there something you would like to contribute and give a child who has been through this experience? What do you think that they might need from you as their new brother or sister? Give them that sense of control and get them excited. We want to entice them so that they feel as excited as the parents are about having engaged in this. Mm. Yeah. Like what are some, even a wish list? what are some things we want to do? And we may have Mm. to take our time, you know, it's going to take time for us to bond. You can even tell kids psychologically, it yep. takes take six months to two years just to bond. We're going to get to know each other. It's not going to happen overnight. Help That's them great. understand the process. Hmm. They're smarter than you think they are. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> it is so true. When you were mentioning early, Jeanette, about the, the give kids as much open, transparent information as possible. Yes. I know that that causes anxiety for some parents. Mm-hmm. Am I sharing too much? Is it, right. you know, that that's one fear. And I also think that in a lot of, at least locally, what I've heard is a lot of people's experience is that adopting from foster care in particular is really unpredictable. And so systems aren't doing a great job at providing the information that parents can use to say Mm -hmm. what can be expected, how long something's going to take. It often gets bumped or changed in in significant ways, not just a week, but like it's been put off for a year. And that just does such a number on humanity. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in this family system. It's hard to wrap our adjustment brains around, right? It's hard Mm -hmm. to adjust to. So, you know, when... When I have when I have these conversations with parents, I'm often talking about the grief and loss of that, of what you had hoped for, what was told to you, what you had to adjust and change expectations around. Mm-hmm. And our kids augment that experience that that is harder for them because of where they're at developmentally. Mm-hmm. It, that's not always um, we don't always get what we need to be able to do the thing that we know we need to do. It's tricky. Yes, as parents, foster right. parents, right? Yeah. The support you need during yeah. this process, right? It will be a, a back and forth too of grief and loss. And is this really going to happen? Yeah. The, the desire to be a parent is lost in the process because the system can get yep. in the way. I know it can take years yeah. sometimes yeah. just for parental rights to be terminated. It's challenging, and we're dealing with a child welfare system that is overwhelmed. Not that that's an yep. excuse, but we're dealing with a legal system that it's real. It's yeah. real, right? And just as much as you're waiting, what I, what I tell parents is see this as an opportunity because just as much as you're having your grief and loss, 
the more you can connect and have a listening partner, someone you can grieve with, a therapist, that's going to help you be a better parent to the child who's also sitting in limbo. They're sitting in limbo too. I sat there for six and a half years. It's a terrible place to be. So the stronger you get in understanding your grief and loss in this process, Mm. the better able you'll be able to contain, join, attune with your child's grief and loss. So see it as an opportunity as opposed to a a letdown. And and yes, it's going to be hard. There's no question. It's a difficult process. And know that, uh, you know, foster parenting, and it's hard for foster parents who especially come into the system wanting to adopt. Foster parenting is meant for reunification. So the goal is, so get clear in understanding, okay, I need to accept that foster parenting, there is a high statistic here that this child will be reunified with their families or not and become available for adoption. So it is a risky process. That's why a lot of parents like to do private adoptions, uh, which is usually much more direct and we know exactly at birth. Well, not always. Some birth mothers do make a choice. They have a 30-day time frame to decide whether they do want to relinquish their rights. You know, when a mother Mm -hmm. has a baby, I work with a lot of birth mothers too. They're not always, they don't always know what they're going to feel when they birth their child. No. Right. And and that's what I said earlier. Only 1% of mothers do relinquish their babies now to adoption. So mother, you know, it's, it's a challenging, um, system we're in it sure is but i'm gonna tell you and i'm an advocate because gosh if i wasn't adopted if i was left in the Mm. foster care system i don't know where i would be so please don't give up Mm. there's so many children that need homes and if that one child doesn't end up staying in your home yes you will have to grieve that child and there are so many ways to Mm. do that and i recently was interviewed another podcast helping grieving foster parents when they've lost a child and so you know you'll need just as much as i showed the grief doll for the child you may need a grief doll for your own pain and loss and then you'll try again so it's hard it's hard i know and so i encourage you to yeah chronic healing work it's opportunities Yes. We are always healing, never fully healed. I'm still healing. Parts of me. Uh, Parts of us. And I'll tell you just a few little little phrases that I tell parents. And there comes from unconscious parenting. Just accept sometimes you will fumble and stumble as a parent. That's okay. Accept you are a human being before you are a parent. And accept you can't fix the pain in your child's story. You're only responsible for Mm. your own. Lovely. That's well, Fred. Oh, that's so important. It's so important. It has to be complicated. I think it there is no other way. 
there's, we're dealing with so many human beings with so many pieces that they bring with them Mm -hmm. and so much grief and so much loss. And the transition journey can feel daunting, I think, for everybody involved, like the really overwhelming to grasp. The way you said, please don't give up, because it has been so important in your own life to have that sense of permanency. There are threads that keep us going through what seems like impossible Mm -hmm. stages of a journey. Mm -hmm. And for us to know that our kids are also capable of getting through some incredibly overwhelming stages of transitions is, is pretty powerful to realize, I think. Mm -hmm. They've got a lot of resources in them that we probably, we don't see, but they're there and it's hard to watch because kids seem vulnerable to us and they are in a lot of ways. But Mm -hmm. I think there's some stuff in there that is so resilient that we don't get maybe to see until later on Mm -hmm. when some of the healing and the transition has kind of come through. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add for an encouragement for adoptive parents in particular who might feel like this is really too much, really hard or worried that they're not enough? Well, you are enough. And, and Mm. what I want to say is you do need to become foster care and adoption competent. Don't underestimate your learning. Uh, I recently published children's book, What is Adoption? Not only is this for the child, it's for the parent. I explain the process of why a child is placed in foster care adoption, all the different reasons. It helps give you the language. Rely on these external sources. I have a whole book list of books on any topic that's on my, I, I can provide you the link. Yeah, I'll include it in that. And this has mental health interventions that explain to the child, Mm -hmm. you will be grieving and that's okay. You can create your question box. You can do all these things to help yourself with your feelings and your parents will be there to help you. Don't be afraid to learn because part of this work is going into the trauma and trauma, Dan yeah. Siegel talks about this. It's like a dog bite. Like when a dog is about to attack you, attack you, you have to actually yeah. push your fist into the dog's mouth. You actually have to go into the yeah. trauma or else the dog will take your soul with you. When you go into yeah. it, it actually stops the dog bite and the dog relaxes. So mm-hmm. I also have a training because I've been asked to do so many trainings how to tell your child their foster care and adoption story. And I broke it down from zero to eight to 25 actually. And Amazing. it's on my YouTube channel. Watch Great. it. Okay. You will learn. Yes. I give you phrases age appropriate. Hmm. The more fearful you are, the more fearful your child will be in asking you and they will hide their motives and thoughts and they'll feel guilty Because they need you to be adoption competent. So please don't be afraid to educate yourself. And it may, you may have emotions because you're going to be feeling your child's story and the pain. Yeah. And there is pain. That's right. And that's okay. Yeah. Because that 
why do we become parents? Because we want because we, we want do. To have We're all striving for that. Yeah, we want to have yeah. connection. We want to make impact. Yes. We want to join. Yeah. So we have to soften is the word. Soften mm. the pain. The only way you can soften it is stop being scared of it. Except yes, I was there gonna is say the fear to needs to go down. Yeah. 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 And listen to all I have 198 videos now on my YouTube channel. And I've just been putting them out, putting them out because for years I've been doing this privately, one on one, coaching parents as yeah. it's time. Oh. Just put it out there. So we I'm so grateful you did that. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Because I explain it from that child's point of view. So you can yes. hear it and go, okay, I understand now. That's what's happening. Why yeah. I need to do this. I see. And, and even days before their birthday, you know, acknowledging and being direct. Because for us, yeah. we're not just going to come out and say it. We tend to project adult characteristics on children all the time. We don't have yes, the ability. We, we need our parent to come to us and go, you know what? And all you have to do is this. I'm wondering, you know, your birthday's coming up. Yeah. Are you thinking about your birth family? Because I'm understanding because I've been reading books and listening to other adoptees who are uh -huh. adults now. But they've thought about their birth family. Of course you would. So you want to yeah. be curious and have empathy mm. at the same time you're communicating and create that opening, right? Because you're mm. educated now, create the opening, you're going to pull out the can of worms, but that's exactly what yeah. your child needs. Yeah. You'll actually soften the symptoms, lessen the behaviors, and create more intimacy and connection mm. in your relationship. That's what you want. Mm. It's what you want. So it's in your best Lovely. interest. Are there, you've shared some amazing resources, all of those I'm going to tag in the um, show notes for sure. Awesome. I would encourage people to check those out. Uh, your YouTube channel is going to be a goldmine for people. So I'm already excited to get this out to them. Um, are there other resources in all the years of work oh, yeah. you've done, some primary reading, some places people can go that might not be as well known that would be helpful? Yes. Well, I mean, I don't know your, your network, but Attachment and Trauma Network. Yeah is fantastic okay. for families. Yes. Pact yeah. Alliance, that's for transracial adoptive families, a must. Okay. You need to be in a community okay. with other families that look like yourselves. The North, Amer North American Council on Adoptable Children, yes. celiacenter.org, that's my nonprofit. Okay. We have Zoom support groups, the Michael Trout Institute, the Adoptive and Foster mm -hmm. Family Coalition of New York. They have adoption competency conferences, the Center for Adoption mm. Support and Education has an adoption competency, free training for parents, the Post Institute, and yes. that's a lot right there. Oh, that is a great list. Okay. Amazing. Jeanette, thank you so much. I, I don't have words to say how much I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, but just what you've shared has been incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I mean, I always just love mm -hmm. helping families because I know how scary and overwhelming it could feel. Yeah. I just like to break it down yeah. so you can manage it. You can manage it, but take this to heart and know that we need you. We love you and we want you mm -hmm. to be there for us because it's a lot for us. Yeah. 
to manage on mm. our own. So thank you. It sure is. Thank you. Have a great evening. Thank you. You too. All right. Take care. If you are a couple in a couple of relationship and you are fostering or uh, toward adoption, or if you are adopting through a private agency, um, we've created an online course uh, called Adoption, What to Do While You Wait. Um, I created this as an adoptive parent and as a registered clinical counselor who supports adoptive families in the transition period and in preparation. So um, really, it is designed to be adoption topic specific, but the majority of the modules are focused primarily on cementing your own relationship and attunement skills so that you can create the most warm, nurturing, available, trauma-informed parenting uh, uh, environment that you can in your family. Um, we've got a special unit included on transracial ad adoption as well, created by Angela Tucker, an adult adoptee who is also a social worker doing this work. If you'd like to know more, I'd, I'd encourage you to check out the show notes um, where we placed a link and a coupon code. If you are receiving this within a certain window of time or watching this, check out if that valid if that coupon code is still valid for you. Um, we'll be offering it actively throughout the adoption podcast series, and it's at fifty percent off. We just want to get this into as many adoptive parent hands as possible to give you the best kickoff that you can. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.